Thank you for listening to New Hope Chapel's podcast. Pastored by Reverend Gary Dereshinsky, New Hope Chapel is located in Arnold, Maryland. You can find us on the web at www.newhopechapel.org. Now here's Pastor Gary Dereshinsky with today's message. And, you know, during the summers, oftentimes I head up to uh, Arnold's camp, Camp Shoshana, up in the Adirondacks Mountains. And uh, I remember years ago when he first started that camp, back in like 1975 or so, and it was a very small group of us that got together. He would sit us down, put us in a, a circle, and would ask us to sort of introduce ourselves to one another. And he would say this. He'd say, first of all, tell us your name. Tell us, now I may not get this exactly right, but tell us your name. Tell us where you're from. Tell us where you were born the first time, and tell us where you were born the second time. I think that's what he used to say. And I bring that up because May 2nd, 2010, was 39 years ago on this day that I gave my life to the Lord, which is, you know, quite a a long time ago when I think about that. Uh, Walking with the Lord for 39 years, one more year to go, 40 years, the big 4-0, you know. But the thing that was instrumental in leading me to faith, and that which is instrumental for all of us in the nurturing of our faith, is the Word of God. It was the Gospel of Matthew that a friend had given to me in a Bible with the New Testament and challenged me to read it, that was instrumental in my coming to faith, along with some of the things that my friends were telling me, but it was particularly reading the Gospel of Matthew for the first time and becoming enthralled with Jesus uh, for myself. With that in mind, I thought for the next few weeks, I'd like to turn our attention to Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119 is a psalm that glories in the Word of God. It's a psalm that speaks of its beauty, its majesty, and its splendor, and its wonder. You know, there are 176 verses, so we're not going to cover them all this morning or even the next two weeks. But 176 verses in this psalm. And you know, every one of them has a reference to the Word of God. Now, scholars differ on that. There are some that say, well, I don't know, you may be pushing it with a phrase here and there or a word here and there. But at least we can say out of the 176 verses, no less than 171 do have very clear and specific terms that refer to God's Word. And so it is a psalm that just glories in the Word of God and speaks of its splendor. You know, if you go back a couple of psalms, Psalm 117, you've got the shortest psalm, the shortest chapter in all the Bible, right? It's Psalm 117. You go up two, and you've got the longest chapter, the longest psalm uh, in all the Bible. And this psalm has impacted great thinkers of the past. Looking on my shelf, I have a, I don't know, I think it's a four or five volume set by Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time. And in that four or five volume set entitled The Treasury of David, 350 pages are devoted to this psalm alone. Alone. There was a fellow by the name of Charles Briggs who preached back in the 1820s. He wrote a volume on Psalm 119 that was 480 pages. Just the one psalm. 
And uh, there was a, another writer who had written a three-volume set on Psalm 119. 1,600 pages worth. This was a Puritan back in the 1600s. 1,600 pages on one psalm, 190 sermons on this psalm. That's more than one psalm a phrase, you know, or a stanza. We're not going to do that much, you know. But this psalm has played such an indelible impression on so many individuals. It was David Livingston, the pioneer missionary to Africa, who at nine years old memorized this psalm and was given a Bible for it. And then I read the story of Wilberforce, you know, that individual, that politician, I guess, that had ended slavery in England, that in his diary on a given day, walking from, you know, across the commons to Parliament, he had recited to himself Psalm 119 and said he was greatly comforted by it. Individuals memorized the Word of God like nobody's business, and Psalm 119 was considered one of those psalms you ought to make it your business to memorize and to have impact your life. So I thought we might take a look at this psalm. It's also uniquely crafted. If you look at Psalm 119, you'll see every eighth verse, there is the Hebrew letter, each consecutive Hebrew letter in the alphabet. So you see, like it says, Psalm 119, the letter Aleph, and then you've got eight verses. And that's because verses 1 through 8 all begin with the letter Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then if you look at the next set of eight verses, verses 9 through 16, all of those verses begin with the letter Bet, which is the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet. That's why we call the alphabet the alphabet, the Aleph Bet. Now, my Greek friends, my Christian friends want to tell me, no, 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 it didn't come from the Hebrew, it came from the Greek, alpha, beta. But I tell them, you know, the Jews were around a long time for the Greeks, and they're always taking our stuff from us. <laughs> no, I don't know where the origin is, actually. But, Aleph, Bet are the beginning two letters, and they do represent the alphabet. And so, as one goes through the remaining 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, you have eight consecutive verses, all beginning with the next letter of the, Hebrew, uh, of the Hebrew alphabet. It's referred to as an acrostic poem. And it was so designed to emphasize the importance of the passage and to make it that much more memorable to those who would read it. Now let me just read these first verses to you. The writer says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. See, over and over again, the writer refers to the Word of God and the power and impact it can have on one's life. When the verses open up, he says, blessed are they, blessed are they, in verses 1 and 2. This is one of those beatitude psalms. And if you look at Psalm 1, Psalm 1 opens the same way, and it's almost as if the writer of Psalm 119 wants to comment on Psalm 1, which says, that speaks of the word of God as a delight. 
And so Psalm 119 sort of speaks about the delightfulness of the Word of God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's our first beatitude in the Psalms. And Psalm 119, the first two verses, have two more beatitudes that speak of the delightfulness of the Word of God. Now, there are all kinds of words that are used here to speak of the law. The rabbis say there are ten different words that speak of the Word of God. I don't mean the law. The law is one of those words. But there are ten words, they say, and those ten different words are to remind us of the Ten Commandments, which is the heart and soul of the law. Other scholars tell us that there are no less than eight different words that are used for the Word of God. In this verse, these verses alone, you see the word law. You see the word, verse 2, statutes. You see the word, verse 3, ways. You see the word in verse 4, precepts. You see in verse 5, the word decrees. In verse 6, again, the word commands. In verse 7, the word laws. In verse 8, again, decrees. And these words, some of them occur 25, 30 times throughout this psalm. He just continues to repeat them over and over again that they would get branded into our minds and hearts the importance of God's Word and the value of God's Word. We speak of worshiping God and of knowing God, but you know you can't worship God rightly or know God properly without knowing His Word. In the past, when I was a young believer, I remember early teachers of mine would speak of the Bible as God's love letter to us. This is God's revelation to us. This is God's message to us. And they would liken it to love letters you'd get from your girlfriend or your fiancé or from your wife or your spouse. They're things that you cherish, you hold on to, you come back to, you read again and again. And you're not only instructed by, but you're encouraged in. And so the writer sees God's word in that fashion. And so he opens up by saying, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes, who seek him with all their heart. The word blessed is the Hebrew word ashrei, which means happy is the one. Joyful is the one. Fulfilled is the one. Steadfast is the one. So we ask ourselves, how can we be happy in this world? And many of us say, well, if I have a good job, I'll be happy. If I have the right spouse, I'll be happy. If I'm in the right church, I'll find happiness. And we think of all these tangible things that will ultimately fade away. But the writer of Psalm 119 wants to tell us happiness is found in the Word of God. And that the kind of happiness that will carry us through whatever our trials and whatever our challenges, and the kind of happiness that will be a long-lasting happiness, and a happiness that is of significance, will be one that is found in the Word of God and in a life that is lived consistently with Him and in His revelation. When the Word of God here in verse one, chapter 119 speaks of the law, the Hebrew word here is the word Torah. And the word Torah sometimes refers to the first five books of Moses. That's the Torah. So if you go into the synagogue and they take out the scroll from which they will read uh, a portion from every Saturday, that's the Torah scroll because it has the first five books of Moses inscribed upon it. But sometimes the word Torah doesn't, is not just restricted to those first five books. Sometimes it means, or I should say is enlarged, 
or maybe I should say is restricted to the Mosaic law, the 613 commandments. Sometimes the word Torah means those commandments of God particularly. But sometimes the word Torah is used to speak of the entirety of the Old Testament. And so the word Torah, which is used here, really means the revelation of God. The information that God grants to us through the inspiration of the Spirit of God working in the lives of individuals who penned what God wanted penned. And once we get the New Testament and the Bible is complete, well now when we look at a psalm like this, certainly the writer had in mind all that preceded what he was writing. But from our vantage point, it now has in mind all that constitutes the Word of God. And so he says, happy is the one who conforms his life and his values to those things that the Bible instructs us in. Happy will be the man who conforms his life to the teachings of the Word of God. I was just sharing with my own students this past Friday as I was anticipating, you know, this weekend I'm going to be celebrating my 39th uh, relationship with the Lord. And I came to know the Lord when I was 17 years old. Some were older. And then I remember sharing with my students how fortunate they are as young people here in high school that they can give their lives completely to God now and to live a life that will be one lived in conformity to Him for such a long, long time. That's not to say anything derogatory about those that come to faith at the end of their life. You know, praise God that we come to know Him but to have opportunity to know him young and to live with him throughout one's life, certainly that is a happy life will come from it. That doesn't mean there won't be challenges and conflicts because there's sin in our world. But there will be certain happiness that one might not otherwise experience because their life has been lived in accordance with the teachings of God's words. I've reconnected with some old friends of mine and folks that came to faith a little later in their lives. Some of them did not allow the Word of God to be that compass for their lives, throughout their lives, and they reverted into some terrible sins. The consequences were grave. And now they've recommitted their lives back to the Lord. And one individual telling me what a joy, what burden has been lifted off his shoulders. Individuals don't realize that the wages of sin is death on a scale we have no idea about. And the weight and burden that it places upon us when we walk contrary to God's ways and God's standards. Certainly an individual cannot have a happy life when they are burdened with these kinds of oppressions that come into one's life. I'm not saying all oppression is the result of that. What I am saying is when we know what God wants us to do and we do not do it, the scripture says, for him it is sin. And the wages of sin is death and the impact it has on us is catastrophic. But when you're young and you've determined to live your life as unto the Lord, the psalmist says, blessed are you. Happy will you be. Sometimes young people feel that this is a constraint 
on their creativity, a constraint on their opportunities. There are so many things out there I want to experience, but if I live according to the word of God, I'm not going to be able to experience them. And it's so much like Adam and Eve, right, that Satan said to him that the Lord knows that when you eat these things, you will have knowledge that you otherwise would not have. And the knowledge they acquired was not the kind of knowledge they were really hoping for. For the knowledge they acquired enslaved them. And so the psalmist is telling us, when we live our life in accordance with the word of God, when we are young, you will have an extended happy life. And wherever you are at in your life now, the rest of it can be of significance and of peace because the word of God promises that's what it will bring. And so that's how the psalmist opens this psalm. Listen, I'm telling you, Devote yourself to God's word and you'll be blessed. You want God's blessings? Live according to God's word. And to live according to God's word means you need to know God's word. So it does require a certain degree of, de- of dedication, discipline, to read it, to study it, perhaps memorize it, and then to learn it. And by the way, The psalmist says these same things as well. Look at verse 1. He says that once we know God's word, we have to walk according to God's word. Look at this. He speaks about when we know his statutes, we are to seek him. Look in verse 3. We are to walk in his ways. Look at verse 4. We are to obey them. Look at verse 7. We are to learn them. The psalmist does not expect that we know all of these things. There are things for us and information for us to acquire. The knowledge of God for us to acquire. And then to allow to have its way in our lives. To mold our wills and our character to live for him. But the psalmist, and oftentimes we think of biblical writers and biblical characters as larger than life. Holier than thou. Not real people. But look what this psalmist says. He says in verse 5, he desires greatly to obey the word of God. He says in verse 4, you've laid down your precepts. They are to be fully obeyed. Notice he doesn't say, I will fully obey them. He says they are to be fully obeyed by you as well as me. But he does say in verse 5, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. He is a real person who fails in this endeavor. And he says, oh, that I could do this on the scale that I desire. This reminds me so much of Paul, doesn't it? In Romans chapter 7, he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things I do do. Who can deliver me from this uh, body of death, he says? Or who can deliver me from uh, this a catastrophe in my life. And then chapter 8 opens up, you know, where Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so Paul does express in the same way the psalmist does, if only I would do the things I want to do and know I should do and not the things that I really don't want to do and find myself doing. Paul himself had that same problem and that same challenge as this psalmist did and as every individual does. That doesn't mean that we don't aspire to obeying every precept fully, but it does mean that we realize we are sinners and that we live in a world that sin has impacted upon us. 
and that we need to cry out for the grace of God to enable us to progress day by day and moment by moment. And that's why he says in verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart. I will obey your decrees. And I love this last phrase. Do not utterly forsake me. If he's going to do this, it will be because of the grace of God. And so when we get to these last few lines of, or the, of verse 8, or this first stanza or section of uh, Psalm 119, the writer tells us, first of all, of an absolute resolution, a conclusion he's come to. And that resolution is simple. I will obey your decrees. That is what he's determined to do. And that is his utmost desire. But he also recognizes not only is there this determination, but he also is honest with himself and he makes that confession that I would hope, as I go back to verse 7, excuse me, verse 5, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. He resolves in his heart, I'm going to obey them. He does so knowing that Without God's grace, he cannot make this happen. And so he concludes with a final prayer, a final petition, a concluding plea that God might answer. And that is, do not forsake me in this endeavor. The psalmist is not speaking about losing salvation. Oh, don't forsake me and I'm lost for eternity kind of a thought. What he's talking about is that God would not forsake him in the process of walking with the Lord and obeying his precepts, his decrees, his laws, and his statutes. And so he concludes by saying, O Lord, do not forsake me, but grant me your power and your grace to live a life that is in conformity with your will, that I would indeed have a happy and have a blessed Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Gary of New Hope Chapel. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I hope it was a blessing and encouragement to you. Our church, New Hope Chapel, is located in Arnold, Maryland, just outside of Annapolis. So if you're ever visiting in our area, please come by, say hello, and visit with us. We'd love to have you. You can find out more information about our church at newhopechapel.org on the web. So we hope to see you soon. God bless.